Well, Coach, like I just said, we've been talking for about 40 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, we got to go live. So I'm going to introduce myself. I am the proud owner, Coach, of Genius Communica- or Genius Owl, my goodness, limited company, uh, Wisdom for Life and Profession. And uh, I serve people on the highest level in all kinds of areas. Coach, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's stick with Coach Greg McNeil. And um, like Sherry said, you know, you might want to look me up. I'm a wisdom keeper. I'm the person here <laughs> yep. to help you to do what you want to do on the planet at the highest level that I'm capable of. And that may not mean making money. Right. But helping you to have true joy. Yeah. And if you listen to the laughter of my voice, then you know I'm sure to deliver it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we kicked it off with I wanted to, to discuss a surprising root of anger. And so I'll give the context real quick without divulging any confidential material. But um, I have a lady I've been mentoring that had three traumatic experiences that were like deeply traumatic, you know, not just getting rejected in school or, you know, stubbing a toe. I mean, this was like stuff that really hit her psyche. And um, she reached out to me because she would have uh, deep, you know, spells of depression. And um, actually a friend had suggested, hey, you probably need to meet with her and see if you can get to the bottom of that. So we start visiting. And usually, you know, the first meeting is trying to get, for me, some data. <clears throat> I need some data. I need some key points. Mm-hmm. And so she had, you know, kind of touched on a, a few things, but three incidents stood out to me. And uh, so then it's interesting because like when, I don't know if you see this coach, because you're the one that, you know, that's the clinician working on your doctorates. Um, but it's almost like that first meeting, they almost go into a, not a euphoric state, but like a relief state where, yeah, everything's been great. Everything's fine. You know, I think I'm actually pretty good. It's like, oh no, we've not even begun the work. Yeah, no, I'm not letting you off the hook that quick. And Mm -hmm. uh, so sure enough, you know, she had a good week. Well, then we didn't meet for a couple, but I'd given her some homework and I told her that depression is anger turned inward. And I wanted to know why she was so mad. And I wanted her to identify the emotion beyond anger. And I wanted her to identify who she felt was the culprit or the predator, et cetera, which to me, it was clear cut. I mean, you have a person who was a molester, you have a person who is a rapist, you have a person who is an abuser. So to me, it was all plain who she was mad at. And I was surprised. So we meet um, after a couple weeks, and she had done her homework, and every single incident, the three that I wanted to focus on, I was shocked that she was angry at herself. That was the dominant um, focus for her. And there are like several reasons. You know, one was not speaking up. Um, one was putting herself in that position, which is probably very common with people that have been, you know, victimized. And then the other was for not, uh, not protecting her kids. And, uh, so I kind of just like went through each incident linearly, like, okay, well on the one with your kids, were there any red flags? Did anybody tell you don't be with this person? Did anyone, you know, did the kids tell you they didn't, you know, and it, no, I mean, he was a perfect gentleman 
And it wasn't until a while into the relationship that things went south. But anyway, so we we go through all these things and she was able to identify the emotion, but we then had to start a coaching, you know, on how to navigate through being angry at herself and really how unreasonable it was, but your brain doesn't know that. Your brain is just mad, you know, at what occurred. So I wanted to talk about that. And when I I gave her like, you know, some homework on processing through all that stuff. But when I was telling you the topic, you said pathologizing our anger. What, like, what did you mean by that? So what I mean is um, we are taught to pathologize our anger, to make what we think and feel we discredit it essentially what we're saying and it becomes a, a, a negative association for us, right? It's like you're depressed. You shouldn't be depressed. I mean, it should be over right now, right? You know, get on with it, right? You you lose a loved one and you're, you're in mourning or something like that. And, you know, you, you go to see somebody because you're, you know, it's a difficult time uh, for you to get over it. And somebody's telling you, well, you know, it's been six months or whatever. You know, you should be over that already, right? Basically, you are dismissing the person's experience. And when you start talking about victims of trauma, then it's even worse, right? We talked about a whistleblower or a victim of some type of physical or sexual abuse, right? Um, Same thing. You know, what were you doing at the event or you know, questioning the person and making them feel responsible for an experience that they had no control over, right? So pathology, isn't that like a disease, a study of disease? So it's almost like what you're saying is you're making the emotions you're feeling like that's a disease. You shouldn't be experiencing that. It's exactly right. So you are essentially telling the person that they are the cause of their undoing, Mm. right? You are creating your own disease, right? Well, that is system thinking, right? That's the what we call the um, the industrial growth society's way of telling you that um, we don't have time for that bullshit. Excuse my language. We don't have time for how you what you feel and what you're going through. I need to get to the bottom line. So whatever you're dealing with is stopping you from getting to the bottom line, you know, you need to deal with that, right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, people who are in the helping professions, if they are not aware of what's happening, they take on that same mentality and they become almost like gatekeepers. And as we were discussing off air, um, the person who would be seeing the client and not working with the context from which the person's feelings arise from, they are contributing to the pathology, right? Yeah. By making that person the reason for what they're dealing with instead of saying, hey, look, let me remove this burden from you. Let me show you how to get through this. But instead, we're like, nah, this is your fault. You need to be, you know, you need to get better uh, control of yourself. You need to... Uh, develop some cognitive strategies and all of these kinds of things, you know. And right now, if the listener is hearing me, I am punting that dude or that woman that is 
doing that to the client. I'm giving them a ripo butt kicking right now. Yeah. Right? And it's mm-hmm. almost like you can also become a drug pusher where you never you get to the, the you know issue. You're just given medication to leave the symptoms, but it, it eventually I, what I have seen and I'm not an expert, but what I have seen coach is eventually that medicine doesn't work. And then they try a new one and that one doesn't work. And then they try a new one and that one doesn't work. And at that point, the person is so hopeless. They don't know where else to go. Where are they going to find relief? And when you said like, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. Like, you know, get to work. I mean, you know, we don't have time for that. I have had so many people say, um, I should be over it by now. Well, really? Time does not heal all wounds. That's a lie. So emotions buried never die. What do you mean you should be over it by now? And then other people are mad at themselves or sad or frustrated that they are even angry. And so when I sit down with them, I'm like, hey, you actually have a reason to be mad. Let's just process and and go through what occurred because actually... Anger is a response to injustice. Sherry, what you're describing is an upside down world. Um, Again, not learning how to deal with um, what's actually occurring. And anyone that says that I can I can assure you that they are doing the same thing to themselves. If they haven't learned how to give themselves sympathy and mercy, then they're not able to do it with other people. Yeah. And I have worked with clinicians that I have had to put in check, right? I'm like, look, you don't get to do that. You haven't done your homework, right? Yeah. Because that statement that comes out of your mouth when you when when I hear something that sounds like condemnation of a client, you are in the wrong profession. Yeah. Right. And you think somehow that you can see into a person's life, but you don't realize it's your own that's being reflected in the mirror, right? Get thee behind me, so to speak, right? You yeah. know, I'm like, hey, I have been, <laughs> I've had a physician call me or refer to me. He says, oh, I didn't know I had this reputation, but he says, you're that anti-medication guy, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, anti-medication? I was like, no, sir. I think medication has a place, but medication doesn't address an issue. Yeah. It deals with a symptom, right? Yeah. Now, if you help the person deal with the issue, the medication is not really required to be in place as long. Because what we know that the receptor, receptor sites in the brain are only going to be working for so long. Yeah. This is one of the this is why the person who is, quote unquote, addicted to drugs has to keep going because they can never get that same original high because the receptors are like, I'm, I'm done with that because the brain knows it's too much. It can't stay in that place all the time. So it intrinsically knows to shut that off. Yeah. Right. So then the person has to come back and get something else mm. and get something else. So and the same thing soon, happens with like prescription medication for absolutely because prescription medication does the same thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's just we get to take it by another name because yeah. I guarantee you there's some prescription medications they'll give you and you be high as <laughs> yep <laughs> you would yeah right you absolutely would yeah and so but yeah um 
pathologizing grief, sadness, loss of any type without working with the individual, especially when we're talking about deep traumas, um, is, is a great injustice to the individual. And what you do is you shut them down and you tell them, I can't heal in this space. So they end up becoming more skilled at avoiding what's really happening to them. Yet symptomatically, they are they continue to engage in uh, thoughts and behaviors that undermine their ability to heal. You know what always surprises me is how disconnected people are from what's going on in their internal world. Like, um, you know, we have a phrase we we've used over and over, and it's the the entirety of work that we do in our intensives is mm-hmm. the internal world uh, always is a reflection of your external meaning that whatever you have around you, it is from an internal place first. And it's amazing how disconnected people are to why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And so one of the things I told her, because, you know, the, the, the anger she felt toward herself is, and, and she really doesn't need to forgive herself, but sometimes your brain just doesn't function that way. And so I told her, I said, I think you need to forgive yourself, even though you didn't do anything wrong. And I gave her an exercise to do that. But um, that exercise is really to lead her to the conclusion that she did nothing wrong. That That's, you know, that's the whole purpose of it. But um, people are so disconnected on why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And I told her, I said, like, For example, if you look at the anger, what's happening, and I see this like with true crime, you know, because I have that true crime podcast and I, um, we did an episode on why people are fascinated with true crime, especially females, actually, it's a high, high percentage compared to males. And, um, you know, people, experts are like, well, we think part of it is, and I had thought this for a long time, is that the brain doesn't like loose ends. The brain wants answers because if there's loose ends, that means they could be a victim later. And so if you know why something happened, then you can avoid it happening to you. Well, I think that's kind of like a pathology of, you know, um, or patho. how do you say it, coach? Pathology? Yeah, our anger. Because it's like, well, it must be my fault because if it's my fault, then I can control my environment and myself to never put myself in that situation again. Is there maybe any truth to that and being angry at ourselves that, well, I'll just, you know, I'll make sure I don't ever do that again. I'm the reason that happened. Well, I'm going to say I disagree okay. with that thinking, right? Because in truth, no individual should have to really be concerned about being assaulted, abused, uh, mistreated, or traumatized in any way. So let's just start with that foundational piece, right? Mm -hmm. That should never be anything that has to be a part of a person's thinking. Now, we can say, does it happen in the world? Yes, that's true. But just because it can happen in the world doesn't mean that you have to prepare your life to think that that's going to happen well, to no, you. Well, no, I'm not saying that, Coach. I'm saying that here we have the context of a person who's had three criminal traumas and her brain 
is trying to make sense of it and to protect her in the future. And it's put connections that don't exist. It's correlated what happened to her with it being her fault. And that's a fallacy. But oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I think I was probably on the whole true crime, crime, true crime piece. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, that absolutely is. Uh, again, um, but here's what here's what you probably discovered. The person can say it's my fault, and then guess what? It happens again, doesn't it? Yes. Right. And the reason why it happens again is because the dominant thought in their mind is what they're continuing to process without resolving it. Mm. So anything that you don't resolve in your head and you keep saying, well, this must be my fault. I'm some kind of loser. Well, guess what? That's a very powerful vibration that you're sending out, right? So what do you do? You attract to yourself that somebody, you attract to yourself events or circumstances that cooperate with your thinking. Right. Yeah. And so are you pathologizing yourself by thinking that way? You are. But it started by adopting an idea or suggestion that is not the person's original thought or fault in the first place. Right. So this man abuses his wife. He slaps her upside the head, whatever it or worse. And then he says, I wouldn't have done this. But you made me angry. Yep. Get the bleep, 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 bleep out of here. Right. No, you did that because you're an asshole. Excuse my language. Right. And I'm calling the police. Right. But if she doesn't take action right then and she allows herself to sit with that negative suggestion that he just sent to her and then she says it's my fault. Bam. There it is. She has just pathologized whatever was happening in that dynamic. And she gave him cause in this example to continue to misbehave inappropriately, horrendously. So that whole phrase of pathologizing is just to make sure people understand where you like something happens to you, but you take on the responsibility for what happened to you, even though you had there was no fault in you at all that caused that. So it's like basically attacking of the victim, whether you're attacking yourself or you're attacking someone else. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So then you take in the suggestions or you begin to process really incorrectly or not in a healthy way, the event, Mm -hmm. and then you program your sub. And so if you have belief and you have the message neurons that fire together, wire together, right? So if the emotions attach to that thought, it actually becomes a part of your subconscious and your subconscious will serve up to you whatever it is that you believe. Absolutely. So then repetitive things keep happening. The same thing over and over. Absolutely. This is why, and this is a critical piece for the listener here. One of the reasons why we suggest that they write down whatever they consider to be their definite chief aim, what they strongly desire, not what they want, but the thing that is a must have in their lives. The reason why we ask that they write it down again and again, and that they scale it 
So that on a scale of one to 10, it is really high. And for me, I said, it's got to be at least an eight or out of 10 or 80%. Yeah. Because if it's not, they are not thinking about it most of the time. If they are not thinking what they desire most, the majority of the time, they are thinking about the other things, sadness, anger, right? Uh, Depression and all of these other um, jealousy and all of these other what we call like dark um, thoughts, they have significant emotional power attached to those words or phrases. Yeah. And when they are projected onto themselves, right, that becomes the thing that they're telling their subconscious mind that I want to mo- the most. Right? Even though they think so, they don't, but your focus, huh? Exactly. So I have a client in Florida and one day, you know, he said something to to me, he said, man, I'm always doing this. And I interrupted him. I said, stop. I said, if you want to continue to work with me, you, you we can't have this conversation. And, I'm, and I was really stern with him. He was like, coach, what did I do? I said, you need to listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yes. Because you say it so often and you don't even think about it. You're literally walking around programming yourself with the same thing. Right. Yeah. I said it making a mistake happens. Right. Repeating a mistake is only going to happen if you keep telling yourself the same thing. Yes. So you have to learn how to think differently. And in order to think differently, you must practice. Even when it's difficult, you must practice. Right. Yeah. Until you are able to combat that thought or that feeling that's coming on with you. Right. It's like. As one of my professors told me, he says, look, your feelings are information, not your identity. Mm. Right. And so Dr. Robert Waterman actually is his name. Um, And. um, um, Can you text me his name later? That's a that's a quote worthy statement. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So as far as like, um, by putting anger either towards yourself or taking on the wrong messages others send you, um, it's almost like you were saying, cause I took a few notes in our pre-show combo that you suffer in silence. Um, there can be intense anger. Uh, the sub brings those things to you like we just discussed until resolved but then you said that our society doesn't allow us to be emotionally connected and leaves no room for grief which i i agree with i mean it's you know information it's work it's getting things done it's lists it's task focus it's sports it's kids it's all of this stuff but really what i have found is you can be emotionally connected and aware of your internal world, um, quite easily. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't take hours to pause and be like, okay, I'm feeling something here and this warrants some consideration. And so one of the things that was interesting in my work with the uh, person I was referring to at the beginning of our uh, episode was when she did that work and she figured out, Hey, I'm actually madder at myself than anything. Um, then she recognized the last trigger 
that caused the crying spell. And it was so enlightening. So it just doesn't take as long as people think to live in a state of awareness of what's going on. And like you say this a lot, don't externalize what you're feeling, which means you think there's external things going on that's making you feel that way. No, it is the internal dialogue and and how you're perceiving things that's actually what's causing you problems or making life better. Yeah. And I'm putting this in the note. I got it. Waterman. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that happens is, um, is that people don't realize that they are being distracted from paying attention to themselves because again, in what we call the industrial growth society, um, what you think and feel internally is not rewarded. Mm. What is rewarded is production, right? Production, yeah. uh, consumption, and um, obeying whatever uh, you're told to do, right? Yeah. And so when people go around constantly hurrying to make money, they, you know, to, because they think they're providing a better life for themselves. They're, they're, they're like people in an ant colony, except the ant colony understands that it is connected to every, everyone else in the ant colony. Human beings are not. They think they're individuated and isolated. And so they run around and it's like, it's all, all an external world. It's like, I got this ride, this house, this vehicle, these credit cards, this amount of money. And yet the very things that they need to have the quality of life that they need, they don't have it. So what they think and feel is, is, is pushed away, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's pushed away. And they think that, um, materialism in some form is going to bring them the joy that they need. And they end up finding out that it's not working. It has never worked. Right. Yeah. And so um, what we have to do is learn how to pay attention to what you are feeling inside and the thoughts that come up, because that is the reality. And so somebody says, well, can you give me an example of this? Well, if the woman says, you know what, I can't seem to find a good man, damn it, no matter what I do. Well, she tells herself and after after three or four or five or 10 or 15 attempts, she says, I just don't understand what's going on with these people. These men are all full of you know what. And I'm sitting over here listening to her. I was like, uh, let me see. That's five, 10. So let's say you done dated 15, 25 men in your life, right? Do any of them know each other? Of course not. I said, well, then it's you. <laughs> <laughs> right i said because if these men are not collabor uh collaborating with each other or cooperating with each other none of them know you you don't live across the united states but you just keep meeting the same oh, type of thing, right <laughs> and it's like if you change the way you think about yourself you will change what is coming to you in your life right and yeah, you could get mad if you want to, but I said, you better go home and think about that and change the way you think. Don't get mad at me. I'm not somebody you're dating. I'm just a person that's trying to help you out. 
<laughs> Coach, I wish people could see your face when you said it's you. <laughs> Just and it cracked me up because we're both D's, you know, and so you're like, these people aren't collaborating. There's only one problem and it's sitting in front of me. And that's so true. I always yeah. tell people, who is the common denominator? And I'll sit there and all of a sudden they'll be like, well, I'm the common denominator. Bingo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what happens when you are um, directed to live your life externally. Mm -hmm. You are not connected from the fact that you are the source of all things. You are your own I am, yeah. right? People don't realize this, but when they say I am this person, I am a loser, I am a manic depressant, I am someone who can never seem to find joy. I, you know what I'm saying? What they don't realize what they're doing when they make those internalized statements to themselves, they are making a strong declaration to their subconscious mind about who they are and what they want in their lives. And yeah. until they learn how to change that thinking, they will continue to experience those events in their lives. And be right? mad about it. That's right. Absolutely. I'm like, hey, so it's like, you're the only one, ma'am. I don't know what to tell you, but you, you need to try to think something differently, right? Go someplace differently, right? Get some new friends. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I do, I recommend that sometimes. It's like, you need to go on a journey by yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. And you need to figure out what you're doing. It is, And I just will say this, if we're talking about, in this case here, women, right? If I'm talking to you, listener, as a female, first in this example, I'm telling you, um, your emotional life is critical. Mm -hmm. And you need to develop harmony with your emotional self. Yeah. Stop pathologizing yourself as a woman. Stop pathologizing your moon cycle. You know, the yeah. gift that you have as a woman that keeps you in touch with creation every month for the rest of your life. Stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, honor who you are as a female, which is a powerful force on the planet. Right. Yeah. Um, when you do that, you will find that you don't have to be angry with anyone. You don't have to justify yourself to anyone. You just get to exist in a wonderful space and then welcome all of those who want to share life with you. And then when it comes to men, you need to learn how to embrace your feminine side and just stop with the macho BS, right? Because everything you do means absolutely squat if you don't have a person to really, really share it with, right? Yeah. I can tell you right now, um, lonely men don't last long on the planet, mm -mm. right? Literally. You sh that, that's right. They don't, right? They do not. It's like, that's one of the shortest lived species on the planet besides certain insects, but at least the insects are living out their lifespan, right? <laughs> right. They, they are. You show me a great chief and a really great leader someplace, and he's got an outstanding woman that's loving him. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that's an elected official and leader, and he's got a woman over there that can't stand him, but, you know, she's stuck in the paradigm with him. <clears throat> that's Clinton's. not what I'm talking <clears throat> about. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying 
a great leader. Yeah. A great chief, right? With a um with a loving person beside him, people can feel that. And don't because oh go ahead. No, that's all right. Don't confuse machoism either with masculinity. You can be very masculine and not be macho. Absolutely. I mean it's like the quiet guy sitting over there in the corner, don't say a word. But you look over at him, he says, tip his hat to you and say hello to the woman. He's like, hey, you do, man, respectfully. He does the same thing to the guy. But when he looks up, if the guy is looking at him like he think he might can take him, then he just <laughs> gives him a little look that says, this is not the cartoons there, buddy. <laughs> this ain't TV. That's you funny. better turn your thoughts someplace else, right? Because all you're going to get here is a headache. <laughs> well, coach, on that note. Uh, if anybody, uh, has any topics or anything, our uh, contact information is in the show notes and please leave a review. Um, and we'll just keep plugging away. We're almost to 70 episodes coach and, uh, hearing good things from people that listen to our podcast. It's really helping them, but at the same time, it's very challenging. You know, I just say this before we get off. Um, a seed without exception struggles to break the surface before it becomes something recognizable to us. Mm -hmm. And I would say, let that seed serve as a metaphor because in order before that seed becomes an oak, it has to learn how to grow and then deal with the environment. And what we are telling our listeners and those people who are in our um, coaching intensives, we're saying that you want to grow differently. And if you're prepared to do the work of that growth, you're going to get exactly what you want from it. And that's going to be the happiness and joy that comes along with your accomplishments in the external world. Good place to end, coach. All right.